You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, episode 15. This week's artist is Peter Gabriel. Excuse me. It's time to stop digging in the dirt and start listening to that voice again, telling us don't give up. Let's all head to that secret world up on Salisbury Hill, overlooking Mercy Street, to visit your big-time hosts, Rob Heitman and guest host Stephen Petrie. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 Peter Gabriel songs while discussing his music and pounding back a few, bre- few brews, my God. I'm Rob, and we're joined today <laughs> by a special guest sitting here for Jacob Newkirk, Stephen Petrie. Stave, introduce yourself. Stave, my friends call me Stave. Stephen Petrie, glad to be here. Jake is a, I guess he has the week off or the podcast off, so I talked to him about it, actually. Okay. He seemed to be pretty cool with it. He said it's going to be more work than I realized, and I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for letting me fill in, and and I guess Jake will be back next time. So Jake's awesome, and uh, we play together sometimes, so it's all good. Steve's a singer. He's an artist. He's a producer. He's pretty much done a bunch of stuff. Tell, just give a, a, a quick... A quick, like 30-minute intro? <laughs> a quick one-minute intro. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, basically, I love music, and so I remember as a kid riding motorcycles and stuff, but always there was this thing about music that could just take me someplace, so it was just a love for music that it started, and then my teenage years doing music because there were pretty girls, and then you get the bug of, of learning how to write and produce, and so then I was in like a little boy band with, it had one girl, and, and we did, had some success, signed with RCA, and then Geffen, and and did that brought two albums for about four years, and then the grunge thing was was fully alive, and so we did four independent albums, and then uh, early two thousands um, started another band with my brother, we signed to Motown Universal, and then my latest one was probably two thousand eleven, uh, again with with Universal. So just love music, love to produce, love to you know help the up and coming talent, and to navigate these crazy waters we live in in the music world uh, today. That's cool. Well, thank you, Steve. I'd like to thank everybody who's been active on our Facebook page. Although I can't send a shout-out to everyone, I'd like to take a quick second to send a special shout-out to Michelle Stewart, Christina Jarneau, Connor Ware, and Jason Weck for being active on our Facebook page. Thanks so much. So, Steve, I know you just talked for a little bit, but I'm going to ask you to talk a little more. Yeah. Tell me about how Peter Gabriel has influenced Stephen Petrie. Ooh, Peter Gabriel, when I was thinking through the songs and, and you kind of gave me instructions... I was able to kind of go back to my childhood. And it's weird how, <clears throat> for me, picking these songs and going through this, so much of it was connected to my childhood. Being in grade school, of uh, you know, listening to the radio and having the cassette ready for your favorite sure. song to come on yep. so you could record it. And these were the days that, that when Peter Gabriel, that just that's where it hit me. Right, right. And then also my relationship with my brother. We were like best buds. We'd call into the radio station. We'd call into MTV and request. It's the only time I've ever called MTV. Did you get through? Yes, sir. Oh, cool. And I think some of those videos, they're ranked up in the top. So yeah, for yeah. me, it's like I remember music when it was alive. I didn't hear what I hear as a, as a music producer or a songwriter now. No. I didn't hear that stuff. And in some ways, I like that better. It was just more innocent. There was something about it that was alive and rhythmic. So... The way I loved Peter Gabriel as a kid is completely different now, even though I can look back to my childhood and draw the connection of it being maybe just the coolest time in my life. Because around that time, you were actually probably on the road, right? Um, no, that was probably, I think I, it was after that. 
I know I look really young for my age, but I was still in grade school. Okay. And then growing, growing up as a young man when I was on the road, coming back to um, some of his later stuff and me really searching for the meaning of life or searching for wh- where do I fit in this world. Sure. One of those albums really kicked my butt and it got me thinking. It just it etched into my mind. So there's probably two different times in my life that it hit me at two di- in two different ways. And then as a writer and vocalist, obviously the older I get, the more I think he he's get he's still getting better. Right, right. You know, and which is encouraging as a musician that's still growing in their craft. He's a timeless artist, and for me, stylistically, yeah, because he's pushing almost seventy now. Yeah, he fit in the times where he came from in in that sound or whatever. But there was something different. There was something timeless about it, especially like on "So" and that album. It's like it's timeless. It, and I also noticed how he remastered a lot of those. It it sounds great. It sounds incredible. He's always been ahead of the curve on new technologies and adapting himself to whatever new technology is coming coming to ground yeah. so if you're talking about remastering his albums of course he is because he's remastering for the digital space yeah. it's not the cd space anymore it's yeah. not the not the vinyl of course yeah. or i don't know if anybody ever mastered them to cassettes or eight tracks but well, nowadays they are it's like a gimmick thing but people are but i mean i i think records sound better and but yeah i think a lot of the music back then that the low end wasn't what it is today mm-hmm. in all of music even rock music everything's a lot more boomy so i think a lot of that makes it more palatable um, to hear an old record that sounds more like the modern EQ, even though the mixes and stuff sound the same. And But the music style of what how they played it, the rhythm, it's, it's, it's not, it wasn't gimmicky. It wasn't over-stylized. Now, I think some of his stuff kind of was. Like uh, one of the albums in particular, the, third, the fourth one mm-hmm. was... And I like how he numbered them too, because that's how I think as well. So it's like the fourth one. Security, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> um, that album, you could tell we were walking in a different decade with him. Right, right. And he's like, what, that machine does this? That machine does this? Let's try it. You, you could feel that in the record. And even if you start moving even past that, past So and past Us, yeah. then when he does Up, towards the end of that album, you get some sort of different sounds yeah. from him totally yeah anyway let me just talk real quickly about my background with, with uh, peter i had a friend of mine in high school who uh was really into all that alternative scene and this is like probably you know 84 to 86 yeah. right and i'm going from you know junior high into high school and he got me into talking heads and right. peter gabriel is one of those and he got me into all of the one through fours right mm-hmm. but it wasn't the whole album i wasn't a whole album guy back right. then it was Oh, he's got these. This, this hit song. Yeah, 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 this makes tapes. Like, you know, like the Salisbury Hills. Yeah, and it's whatever they told you. All yeah, that stuff. I get it. Yeah, sure. So uh, he's got me that, and that's good. And then So came out, and he got that, and I heard it. I heard it once. He played it the whole tape for me, and I literally left there, and the first thing I did was buy it. Yeah. It was so impactful to me that here is this different. I, I have this, like, two-headed monster here. I have a metal background. I like metal a lot, but I also am open to all different types of sure. music. And Peter Gabriel was my, it, that was my alter ego. Yeah. Talking Heads, Peter Gabriel, those sort of things. They kind of had that extra space for me. And I'd listen to the outfield or I'd listen to other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even MTV. Being an MTV viewer opened my mind to so many more musical options than I may have had, you know, 20 years previous. To add to that, when I saw. 
uh, some of what he how he classifies his music. I mm. thought it was interesting because you have everybody. To, it's called art rock, yeah. and I'm like, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's art, and I think that maybe because it definitely has rock elements, sure. which would be more of your like rock and metal. Where you, but then the art side of it is probably what attracted you to that other. This is my alter ego because it was very artistic, even right. down to the videos. You know, it was like, what oh, the heck, this guy is. His videos are whacked. amazing. And when I saw Sledgehammer, it's amazing. Yeah, and obviously, like you know, Shock the Monkey or some of the other mm-hmm. ones were were pretty out there too. With the whole white mask with yep. the drawing on the face mm-hmm. and the guy in the suit at the desk and doing that whole thing. Let's talk about the beer. We wanted to kind of capture a beer that was kind of quirky and English, sort of like Peter. And yeah. I thought of what is more quirky in English than Monty Python. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, Nothing. right. <laughs> so this beer that we're drinking is Monty Python's Holy Grail from Black Sheep Brewery in North Yorkshire, England. Wow. So it tastes foreign. No, it's very honey y. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Or maybe barley or honey. It's very goldy, golden. Not, it's not light though to me. It's It had syrupy and honey thick notes of that to me. Does that sound right? Yeah. It's Maybe it's the elderberries. Because cause there's a caption on here that says, your, your mother was a hamster and your father smelled like elderberries, <laughs> which is a quote from the movie. Wait, what's an elderberry? I'm sorry. I don't know. Elderberry is just a, I guess it's like a blackberry. Okay. Yeah, the, it's it's good though. It, it it's definitely not an IPA. That's for sure. Yeah, it says uh, amber golden ale tempered over burning witches. <laughs> that's good. The can's good too. A good yeah. color. Yeah. Kind of gold, yellow with the with a goblet of the Lord <laughs> coming out of a cloud. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get that other. There's something else in there that I can't quite. It's definitely some fruit. Yeah. Okay. The first thing though is like honey. It tastes like honey or grain or some kind yeah. of wheat or I don't know. It's like strong in that. So before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs and we'll share under 15 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, and then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to our list in their entirety. We've also created a current episode playlist, which will automatically update for each podcast to the current podcast. This way you can subscribe and always be up to date. For example, our current list, if you were list to, listen today as we're recording this, we'll have Metallica up there. But as soon as this podcast comes out and you're listening to what we're saying here, it'll be Peter Gabriel. And two weeks later, it'll be the next artist. And two weeks later, it'll be the next artist. So you really, if you want to follow along with us and you don't like subscribing to 20 billion playlists, subscribe to one. You're good. And this way, all the money for playing the tunes will always head back to Peter Gabriel. There we go. Let's get into just outside of the list. Uh, I'm calling it a song of note, but it can be a song that just missed the cut, or it can be uh, a song that's just really interesting to you that you wanted to talk about. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This was hard, man. Seriously. Like, um, I have, you know, I have the 12, which was ridiculous for me to go through. But then I also have another 12. That are my um, yeah, honorable thir- mentions. Yeah, thir- thirty to twenty-four. Well, well, pick one of those that you'd oh, like to talk geez. about. I can't. I don't know. You okay. go first. Okay, you I'll go first? first. Okay, yeah. My song is a song that I really love, and you only had one out of I, the twelve. I, like uh, that was number thirteen. No, no, this isn't number thirteen either. This it's is an interesting one. This is a song that I love. That if I was putting the songs that I like as opposed to the 12 best songs ever by Peter Gabriel. Okay. This may have made that back end of the list, because I really love this song. It's off of a kind of a quirky one. It's the Barry Williams Show. Okay, I just love that sort of... Uh, the topic, number one, the little groove that he has, uh, the good beat right from the first verse. It's, it's catchy. 
he was taught the funny thing is he didn't even know that there was an actor or anybody in the world called Barry Williams. He picked Barry Williams because it was a boring name <laughs> and he can make it sound like Jerry Springer. Or That's great. Whatever. And Barry Williams, uh, if you don't know, was an actor in the, I guess the seventies who played Greg Brady. <laughs> and really? Yeah. Greg Brady is Barry Williams. That's his name. <laughs> and when Peter Gabriel found that out, he found him Yeah. and he said, you're going to do a cameo in my video. And he paid him to do a cameo in his video. That's genius. See, yeah. That's creative. That's yeah. creative living right there. That's what I, I love that stuff. Yeah, they have horns in it, which he does a lot that are really great. The video is really bizarre. It starts out with the Jerry Springer-like character walking around doing Jerry Springer stuff. I have seen bringing, the video. And bringing stuff. And at the end, they're all covered in blood and it's all... Because <laughs> it's that darkness of the soul. He has a verse in there. I'm just going to read some lyrics just right. for a quick second. Got the reputation of a surgeon because they cannot feel the cut. It looks so very simple, but it really is an art. They call our studio the hospital, making money from the sick. We let people be themselves. There is no other trick. I kind of love that in that whole Jerry Springer type atmosphere when they bring these crazy people out there and then they start yelling at each other and fighting. And you know beforehand, and that's what the song goes yeah. through. It's like, oh, you know, we're nice to you. We love you. We care about you. We care about you. Oh, we're on the air? Go for it. <laughs> There's a chair. It's a really good song. It's off of Up. It's a really catchy song. It really wouldn't be in the, my top 12, but I really think we need to take a second and listen to it a little bit. So, so let's hear a little bit of Barry Williams' show. That's quirky and cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I just missed the cut. So <laughs> I like it. I don't know if I would call mine just missed the cut. Or it wouldn't just miss the cut. It's my song of note. I'm sorry. Oh, song of note. Mm -hmm. Now, is there an also just missed the cut? Is no. that too? No. We're not doing that? We're not doing that. It can be just missed the cut. That's or what we the... used to call it. I just okay. I like it as a song of note better because it may not be that. It may not, it may not be, be the third team. Maybe just something that you thought was quirky and cool. Right, because the problem what had happened is we'd start doing these songs that just missed the cut. And it would be on my list already. And we're talking about it before it's even on the list. And it's gotcha. my number seven or something. Or vice versa for Jake. Right. So I figure it's just, let's get a cool song that you like that you don't think anybody's kind of heard of. I tend to go that way. Oh, I like that. I think more obscure almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely have some of those. Okay, so for mine, I'm going to pick something that I think was the beginning stages of the rhythmic element that that Peter brought you could tell he's experimenting so it's called exposure oh okay that's on scratch that's on that's Peter Gabriel one. too yeah. yeah I liked the rhythmic element mm -hmm. and I also want you to listen to where I put has like Phil Collins vibes where it has this you remember that the in the air tonight how it had that chorusy uh phase drum yeah yeah the rhythms that he's getting ready to like show the world or whatever i think this might have been an experiment with the drum and bass okay and the lyric is extremely minimal leaving space for that rhythm to breathe so it's less a song and more of an experiment of different rhythms and finding a new territory to maybe build a song on top of but it wasn't quite there it almost sounds unfinished yeah the back end of that i mean the vocal build at the back end of it yeah i kind of like a lot and even in the beginning just even not even the rhythm so much but just the instrumentation 
he's just so brilliant at layering instrumentation. And it, yeah, I agree. It just fit together. It just blended so nicely. And somehow each instrument, no matter what he's doing, has its own space. Yep. It's not like being muddled. This song was influenced by the producer, which is Robert Fripp, who did uh, King Crimson before this, which is kind of a weird jump. Okay, let's give it a listen. So you hear the rub on the drums. but it's you could fast forward 12 years and it, this could be the foundation okay that was exposure <laughs> so steve you have any other comments about it um yeah i think for me it's like it's almost like a cocoon by the time it gets you know two albums down the road that cocoon is now he's flying in this he's swimming in this river that he's creating here and he could have put a vocal on that that was like but he gave it gave it space he gave it its time sure and so that it just kind of hit me and that was new for me because i grew up more after those first four albums you know sure, that's sure. where i discovered peter gabriel so yeah. in the pop side kind of like you um so that one rewinding and listening to that I was discovering it for the first time and going oh i see where it came from i see where, where how that sound became Excellent. So, okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this whole thing. The nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty. <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with the Dirty Dozen. I'll go with 12. Go. Just me. so you see how this goes. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then uh, you can do 11. Okay. And 10. I'm actually getting excited. Uh, my first song is off of uh, what I like to call Melt, or the third album. Okay. It's one of the creepiest songs. It's the first song ever known use of gated reverb on drums period okay. it's called intruder that was on my list too okay that's good is it's it... on no not on my real list oh it was on your extra on list. My fake list okay it's on your yeah. fake list okay i'm glad you didn't go with that no for i the, wouldn't for give that away one. yeah uh heavy drums it's like a creepy feel there's it it's really cool he scrapes his pick in the beginning as if it's somebody trying to break through like a screen or trying to get into your house yeah new blood has a version of this as well which came out in 2011 which is all orchestra, which is really good, but I really like the original instrumentation of it, and I really like the feel of it because you can feel a band doing it, and I just kind of like that better. Uh, the background is just so great. They have a feel of the song. They use this xylophone in it. Yeah. It may be marimbas, but whatever it is, it sounds amazing. The vocal, vocal melody line is soft but effective. He's supposed to be this you know intruder that broke into your house, and he starts talking like that and singing low, and it's so effective. And you get that, the guitars come in and they help with the pace of the song. And it's just a very theatric song. And the, Gabriel wanted the listeners to feel a sense of urgency. He wanted it to be creepy. Uh, Phil Collins played drums on this too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and he, and he was, between him and Peter, there was the two stories about where that gated drum sound came from. Mm -hmm. uh, gated reverb, I mean. Uh, Collins had said that he had was used it for a track that he hadn't released, but uh, but Peter says it came during with the sound engineer during that session. So, whatever happened, well, happened. there's a lot of ego involved with those two guys. It yes, very similar. I'm I'm sure someone wants to take credit for it. But before Phil Collins even played the drums, you know what yeah. he did on this track? He took all of the cymbals and hi hats away. And muted them. Just no, them out. took them away. He wasn't allowed to play them. And so literally while he's doing the drum session, there's no cymbals. Literally for the third album, they, they, they took, took the cymbals away for the entire album. That's great. So what he did was Phil Collins stepped, kept hitting that, this kept being a blank part. It'd be like, pause, pause, 
So he put these weird drums up where the cymbal should be. So he had something to do because he kept wanting to hit it. And he's hitting air because there's nothing there. And then they actually had to put stuff there. <laughs> you know, they put like Tom Tom drums up there or whatever, wherever he wanted to put up there. Tom's or uh, some congas or some weird stuff up there. That's great. <laughs> so anyway, let's hear. Uh, uh, do you have anything to say about Intruder, by the way? No, I don't. Okay. So let's go to Intruder. It's actually even some Pink Floyd influence. Oh, there's a know? lot of that, yeah. Um, but anyway, I love that song. It's just such a, it's such a brilliant landscape or a musicscape, I guess. Yeah, I, the drums are definitely that exactly like it sounds like they were creating that. Like yeah. that's just it was similar to the one that I just played before in the drum aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And we're still in the live world right here, so I think that's why they're they're hungering for something other than just classic rock drums, which it was just rock drums for them, but. Like they're looking for something different, something in the story about the symbols that makes sense to me. Like they're searching for something different, you know, something rhythmically different. Yeah. Peter always kind of pushes that edge. Yeah. So let's go with your number Five 12. Number 12. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Stay well, number 12. 12. My number 12. Is, should I just tell you what it is? Uh, you can. All right. You don't want to guess? I'm joking. I can um, guess a billion songs. All right. My number 12 is Shock the Monkey. Oh, okay. And here's why. Number one, that whole album. And, and here's why, another reason why it was tough for me to pick. These albums are very... The first three are pretty similar to me. In the sense of where they were with instruments and, and classic instruments, like classic rock instruments. Sure. And then Shock the Monkey, that album, the, the, the security it was one, like, yeah. whoa, a shift just happened. The 80s happened, <laughs> you know, like electro drum machines. Mm -hmm. And you could tell it was heavy. It was almost imbalanced or unbalanced, if you will, from some of the earlier rock elements. It, now it's swung to the other side and it's all electronic and kind of, it was still Peter Gabriel, but I think it was just a different... I think this is what he was well, wanting. Well, well it's you know? 1982 at this point. Yeah. So, like, the first three albums came out. 1980 was Melt came yeah. out. And that was recorded in, not 1980, yeah. probably. It was probably recorded yeah. in 79. And then MIDI and all that yeah. was probably in, like, 79, 80, 81, yeah. somewhere around there. So that's when the whole world changed. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I love about it, though. So you have these animals. You like shocking monkeys. You, you like the... Well, the, the whole thing is... <laughs> no, it used to be, like, was it about the drugs? Was it about this, a relationship? Was it... And I listen to different. I listen to songs differently. Sure. If the melody is what grabs me, the lyrics are secondary to mm -hmm. me. If the lyric grabs me, then the melody could be secondary. For me, with Peter, something about the melody grabs me first before the lyrics. Even though studying this stuff, reading through the lyrics, I'm like, dang, like it's 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 special. Sure. It's, it's really cool. This one's still mysterious. I think guess there's a debate of whether. I think he said it was about a relationship, or yeah, he said it was um, about jealousy, jealousy, and, yep. and shocking the the uh, had being jealous. So, but to me, I would say my choice. This is because I see a stylistic change, and I see a growth in where he's gonna go. Sure. And to me, this isn't the first song though. I saw it on the first album, um, 
and I saw hints of his greatness of what we know as him being great. I saw it on all three of those leading albums, but this one I feel like was like a next level step for where he was going to shoot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm going to hold a lot of my comments for this for a little bit later uh, in this gotcha. podcast. Because Spoiler somebody, alert. somebody, yeah, sorry. <laughs> somebody decided to put this on like the bottom of the list for some reason. I don't know what's going on. All right. So uh, let's hear a little bit of Shock the Monkey. See, this is a different sound. Okay, that was Steve's number 12, so, Shock the Monkey. So for me, yeah. that song could be transported 10 years ahead. Sure. That is the beginning of the Peter Gabriel that the world knows. Yeah, well, this is just building right in the so at this point, right? Yeah, yeah and, so. and I think the out of the third album, I forget the last song on that, and you'd bridge that into this one. So it's bri- – exactly, that was my point. You said it, actually. It's going into so, and it makes complete sense. Well, the last song on the, on the third album was Biko. Yes, which made sense to where this yeah. one was. Yeah. Stylistically or progression. Mm-hmm. He was on a journey and we get to go now in retrospect, get to go look and go and I can pick out songs from each of them. They're like, he he found something there. And then the next album you find little moments and then all of those moments kind of start collecting together and bunching up on top of one another. And I felt like Shock the Monkey it opens the door to to the Peter Gabriel that I think that I probably love the most. Right. You know, so yeah, I'm sure like 86, like if you if you came there in 86, 87, 88 to Peter Gabriel and you so is already out, that you can go back and pick. There's some songs in there that are timeless that would work in that space. And the growth, even though the growth's happening, there's different songs, which we may hear some of. And it may not even been a whole song. Yeah. It may have been a verse. Sure. Like there's the humdrum or whatever that yeah. was on the first one. Yeah. Or I think it was on the first one. And, I think so. and in that song... He, there's a vert, his verse is incredible. Then he goes into his classic rock moments that I don't personally like, like some weird, like rhythm. I'm like, dang, I really like that. But as a producer or an artist that's honest, can look back and go, there's something really cool about that moment in that song. And then you can take the next, you know, so I, I saw that. That was so fun doing this, the research on this, because I get to see it. That's cool. Okay, what do you have at number 11? Number 11, we're already there. Moving right along. I'm getting nervous. Again, I feel nervous about my list because I'm like, why isn't this number one? Or why isn't this number three? It's like, you know what? It just is what it It, is. It made your 12, so that says something. Yeah, especially since I cut 12. So, Mercy Street. Okay. Is my number, um, number 11. It's on So. Peter, we've learned about him, about... What the kind of work that he does, you know, throughout the world, humanitarian and all this. I just love the the mysteriousness of it, and I love how compassionate it is. And then also going, they moved the street. Like, where's the street? Mm-hmm. They 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 moved it. You know, it's like. Yeah. And so to me, it's just it's a it's like a journey. It's a search. Talking for a father holding you again, almost like a gospel thing. Which I would say some of the songs kind of hint on that. But then you can also fill in the gaps with that. I guess for some songs, I guess for some of them, I like to dig in and go, what what the heck does Shock the Monkey mean? Or whatever. But this right. one, I'm like, I kind of just want to keep this one to myself. <laughs> you know, like I want it to mean what I get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was based off of, a, what was it, Anne Sexton, her poems. This is what it was. She lived on Mercy Street. That's what mm-hmm. it was all about. And she kind of battled depression and eventually committed suicide. 
I think Peter wanted to kind of get that sort of vibe with it, and that's See, sort I'm of. I'm glad I didn't know that. Uh, no, no, it's, it's okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. What I really liked, I liked mm. when you hit like the third verse, which is really after the first chorus, because they do two verses and the chorus, and then mm. he does that multi-layering. Yeah, I love the way that he always indicates something new. When you go to the next verse, when you after the chorus, no matter what song he's doing. He's going to add something. He's going yeah. to change something. It's going to be new. It's going to be interesting. And there's a rub in that, too. The vocal stacks that he does, which is a normal practice in the studio, but he will slightly bend one of them just to make it slightly dissonant. It became a style thing, which you could look at like Bon Iver. Yeah. They, they could probably borrow from him, which he covers a lot of his yeah. songs, too. So it's like... You could see there it became a style like it's it's like a plug-in, you know, yeah. or it's like a guitar tone. It's like a guitar pedal. It's like, oh, that's Peter Gabriel. Yeah. You know, so I, I agree. I think that's He used creative. to do it in, in his live show. He used to have a, they used to wail at the end of the song. It used to be like a big high vocal shriek almost, but just high to symbolize her death at the end of the song. So. Oh, wow. That's thanks for ruining this it, song. I wrote a song. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's always interesting. Like, I think artists, when they create a song anyway... They want people to get out of the song what they get out of the song. That sometimes yeah. when you know what the song's about, you think, "Oh, really? That's gonna you know." That's uh, where I'm yeah, at with yeah, some of these yeah. because they mean they mean a lot to me. It's the it's the emotion because the music. If this song had no, a lot of these songs had no lyric, or he was singing in Spanish or something, I wouldn't care because the music is saying what I want to hear. Like what the music is making me feel that certain way. Okay, let's hear a little bit of Mercy Street. Dissonant harmonies in there. The ah, the little blue note thing. It's it's creepy, but it then you know. Can I talk now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then yeah. the chorus. It the, so there's tension. Just realize. Just realize. Although we heard like a minute and a half of the song, yeah, that they're just gonna hear, hear 15 seconds of that. Oh, well, <laughs> you guys need to go listen to that. All right? Yeah, that's what I said. Because you we have, have the, the Spotify playlist. Go listen. Yeah, to that. you have yeah. the verse. It's as mysterious sure. as that lyric. Take the boat out. You know, all it's, it, you feel that, and also production wise, you hear those little, the little triangle. You hear that later in his music, like that's. He you like that was something that he just branded like he took that and it works for him and it makes a slow song move it makes it move but then you get to the chorus and it's like the layer of fog lifts or it, it goes away and there's this bed of security sure and that's what I love about it yeah I always got sort of an ethereal feel for a lot of that song it's kind of pulls through uh, it's a really good tune so I'm gonna jump in with my eleven number eleven hit us off of 1992's Us it's called Steam. Okay. Groove on the track is great. Horns and bass just really shine on this. And Peter Gabriel, what I love about him is you hear the bass. You never don't hear the bass. Yeah, you it's, know, it's incredible. Yeah, he's, the, the, he's fantastic. Very almost soul, like like James Brown or like a throwback of like the soul part. You mentioned the horns. It has that. Well, it's really he has this big R&B influence in a lot of what he did mm -hmm. and where he he got into music itself was from from the blues. Mm -hmm. And although it's not his style of music, the first album I thought it was very bluesy. In fact, yeah. I was very surprised because I didn't grow up on it, so I had to go study it. For this. Yeah, there's actually a jazz track and on that, like, a, a wow, blues jazz. Yeah, blues. It's really... yeah. But, so it makes sense, but production-wise, I agree, it was like huge. 
and you don't you're not missing the guitars and i love like the stand back section where it's like stand yeah. back da, da, da. with the emphasis by the guitars is great yeah. and i love the soaring line like right at the end of the chorus it just jacks up but anyway let's listen to a little esteem unless you let's go So darn good, man. Really good. <laughs> anyway, that was Steam. That was my number 11. And now I'm going to go from this poppy goodness, but I'm going to... Oh, you get to go to 10. I go to 10 now. So okay. I'm jumping to 10. And I'm going to... I have a question. Sure. Moving forward. Sure. If we get the same number just by... Is there like a, you know, everyone oh. has to take a drink or oh. something like that? I think, I think that should be a rule. <laughs> if for some reason Steve and I match, uh, you should do... Whatever shot we did last in the video. Because <laughs> it would be a miracle, but I was just curious, yeah, yeah. Like just in case. You, you never know. Um, okay, so here's my number 10 off of uh, Up. It's called Darkness. Oh, that's on Up, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's such a fantastic tune. That quiet intro, and then it's that big horn horn, and the guitar hit at the same time. And then it's, it's one of the most aggressive Peter Gabriel songs. As you start going through it, it's I almost feel... A little ministry or nine inch, not quite as yeah. hard as ministry, but nine inch nails definitely. That sort of vibe in this song yeah. when they start digging in, and uh, the dynamics underscore the fear again. This is another fear song. It's a theme of his. Yeah, and even a battle against the fear too is a theme of his. This song was almost called "House in the Woods" because there's a little section where he starts yeah. talking about a house in the woods. I guess it's where he sort of had this fearful experience in this old house you know we always hear creepy stories about old houses and I, I, f I hear that a lot in here i think he tends to write about fear and what we do with the fear and how we deal with it he uh, one of the lyrics in here he says everything everything's all right when i allow it to be and one of my favorite lines in this that he repeats a couple times is the deeper i go the darker it gets this song is going to be hard to really hit in that 15 second window because <laughs> it's so dynamically, it moves quite a bit. But it's fun that we can go back and listen to to the to the, to the list. Hey, I have a, a favor to sure. ask. Since Spotify kind of, they're not one of our sponsors, are they? No, they're not. You want to use Apple Music? Yeah, we should do Apple. Yeah. Just as a, from a songwriting standpoint. Yeah, we talked my about little, this. Uh, my little uh, shout out to songwriters that are listening. Just okay. Spotify is actually pushing back. On what should you know? I, I saw read an article. Sorry, subject ADD side no, subject fine. change is that the music um, industry is kind of on life support right now, as far as being able to make music, writing songs. Yep. Um, artists can go play a concert or whatever, but literal songwriters are having a hard time, or not even having a hard time. You can't do it. You have to have another job. Sure. And it's just not fair. It's not. It's not. So anyway, there's a law passed. And, you know, Apple's like, yeah, okay. Spotify's like, no, we're going to challenge that. And it just ticked off a lot of the – it's just it's leftover days from Napster. Sure. You know, it's yep. like that started it, but it's 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 just kind of the law catching up. That's all. Yep. That's my little shout-out for songwriters. I got it. So let's hear a little bit of darkness. Oh, uh, real quick. There was something I wanted to say. Oh, I love the way he sings the verse. He sings with this soft, cautious voice. Yep. And it, it really just plays to the whole song. So anyway, so let's hear a little darkness. Alarms the triggered memories 
a struggle. Yeah, that's uh, my number 10. That's uh, a good 10, dude. Good <laughs> thanks, thanks. Good call. Thanks. Uh, that's Darkest My 10. Now it's your turn. Number my 10. Number 10. Dun, dun, dun. Red Rain. Number 10. Oh, you're killing me. Why, dude? Why? We, 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 everyone no. has to take a drink because it's your number 10? No. Wait, you already said your 10. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Right, it's on So. Yes, it is. Um, it has a very, it's just, it's. I don't know what happened to Red Rain. Was it? It was a political kind of thing, I guess. I didn't do too much study. It was actually like the song. It, it was written after a, a dream he had. Okay, good. Yep. That, that makes that's a lot cooler than um, Acid Rain or whatever. You know, I'm swimming, sure, sure. bathing in Red Rain. But anyway, I'm cool with that. But then it also starts with the chorus, which I thought is cool. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is different. So it's like, oh, I like this. He, it was his structures and his song. They're interesting. Yeah, and with that, it automatically is engaging to the audience because they can sing along with Red Rain. Red Rain is falling down. It's pretty easy to grab. I also think the production and the mood that it creates, it just sucks you in. Like, you're just in it. So I think in this moment, he's he's fully in Peter Gabriel mode. Like, the Peter Gabriel that I, you know, fell in love with. Yeah, his voice is just, it kills in this song. It's it's like gravelly depthness of his voice. It's just... He is one of those most distinct voices, period, right? So let's uh, hear a little bit of Red Rain. Dang. Yeah, I think that he's at his peak right there. Sure, sure. And and going through this, I, I... you know, you have the album artwork in front of you, and you see the first four albums, and they're kind of skewed and scratch, and the car, you know, and this one, his face is there, it's clear, it's clean, and you could say, oh, he he, he became a pop artist, but to me, I think it just became in focus. Yeah, I totally agree, and not only did he change the face on the album, this big transition from... There was no words at all on his earlier albums. To now, he has so us up mm-hmm. because he could make the letters bigger on the mm-hmm. album, so people could see it. And, oh, that's so! I yep. got it. I see it. So, what's your nine? You get to jump ahead. Number nine. Number nine on the countdown. This is Casey Case. In the blood of Eden. Really? Okay. Yeah, I love this. I've always loved the feeling that it had. It just sounds like heaven to me. It sounds like it sounds like nature. It sounds beautiful. It's colorful. It's mysterious. There's a woman singing, and it happens to be Sinead O'Connor, Sinead O'Connor yep. which I did not know until I just started studying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, perfect. Fits the era too, you know. Um, and she's beautiful. She did a beautiful. Job. It's amazing. Um, no, I think this song is like this could have been in my top five as well. It's just. I've loved it for the very first time I heard it. Very spiritual, too. Absolutely, yeah. Halfway through, they have this weird volume shift in the vocal track. It, it's is just it kinda, a bridge? Is it the bridge? Where yeah, or whatever. Well, yeah, it comes in. It's too loud. I don't, I don't. The bridge, his vocal in the bridge, sounds like it was recorded at another time. It's crispier, it's thinner, and it's a lot louder. Yeah, it's a lot louder. Yeah, so right. I think that's the one thing that kind of made it for me that it didn't maybe put it as high yeah. up as maybe you'd have it. Just, and his high little falsetto things that he does, it's just like, it's just beautiful. It's just one of my faves. 
So let's hear a little bit of Blood of Eden. In the blood of What does that make, how does that make you feel, Rob? No, it's it's good. It, although I think it would be pretty controversial if it came out today. Because why? Because because he's missing the 700 other genders. Well, that's true. But you know what? When it comes down to it, I got it. That's the truth right there. Yeah. Did you notice the little rhythm thing like on the bass? I think that's the one where he plays those mallets on it. I'm just listening. Oh, really? Like he has have you ever seen him play? He has these Oh, yeah, on his fingers. These, yeah, these yeah, the long finger, bands, yeah. And he's like just that's what that that's that's cool like, that. like you've um, seen them in concert right yeah yeah oh yeah that'll come up later okay <laughs> oh, okay 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 I don't, i've also I, I, seen like the 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 live footage of of the, one of the concerts too. sure it was, sure it was just i saw only a dvd but there there's a bunch of stuff online they have pretty much all of those shows online now uh even shows that aren't supposed to be um they have so much material uh on him uh, all his interviews, uh, a lot of stuff through PeterGabriel.com, but also a lot of stuff that they put out. Uh, pretty much anybody who's ever interviewed him, you can kind of hear it. See, that's incredible. And it's it's history. And I love the integrity that he has for how well it's recorded. You know, yep. for those live shows, like, number one, he's a real artist. All of that stuff is, like, legit. But it has the ambience of the live. But the quality is not... You get a live album, it's kind of like, oh yeah, sounds kind of good. This is like, no, this is this sounds. The, everything's right. The low end's right. It, it it's mixed well. Sure. <laughs> even even side note, like you know, mastering records. Mm -hmm. If you go and you go master, you know, a modern record. I would say I say modern. Let's say my record from 2011. You go in and master it. What are they A and B? Peter Gabriel. Mm -hmm. from 92 from, you know what I mean like yeah. they, it doesn't matter like they're like yeah this is this is this perfect at. yeah yeah because the, the he fills the whole spectrum you know rock music will send to, tend to live in the mid-range you might have the shrilly high not a lot of low because it's so dang high endy and loud right and right. then you have a lot of hip-hop and stuff it's all low end with the smiley EQ and, and the sizzle on the top yeah U2 record is kind of mid-rangey and very strange and then Peter Gabriel, the whole spectrum, there's space for the whole spectrum. Yep. Because it's just, it's put together so, you know, geniusly. So, it's a little sidebar. Okay, so I guess I'm up with my nine. There you go. <laughs> uh, Games Without Frontiers off of Melt. It's my nine. Let's hear it. I, I can't think of how it sounds right now off the top of my head. Yeah, I... <laughs> it wasn't in my top 24. Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, the sliding guitar with some really cool bongos. Uh, the verse melody is really cool. If you listen to the melody lines that are going on underneath the vocal lines, yeah. and you take the time to listen to that, take a second from the vocal line and listen. And there's so much going on during that. So you like the quirky ones, because this yes. is a total quirky song. I yeah. actually do have notes on this one. Yeah. And it says, the count off is one, two, one, two, four. <laughs> and they start out like, what? <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that I always thought this is one of those misheard lyrics. I always, in the beginning, he's like, she's so popular. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's not what it says. What does it say? It says, she's sans frontières. Oh, that's which great. It, she's singing French. That... And, and it's games without frontiers in French. <laughs> <laughs> because evidently there was this game show 
called Games Without Frontiers that was in Europe. And it was trying to bring people together and doing these little competitions and trying to make it, oh, everybody's so nice and everybody's all together. And aren't we going to create peace now? It's going to be great. And he just thought it was so cheesy and so corny. <laughs> so, he, so he wrote the song. I called this one an electro experiment. Yeah. And, he, and one of the lines is like, if looks could kill, they probably will. You know what I mean? It's all that. I also wrote that it has like a Rhodesy thing, you know, like a Rhodes in it. Mm-hmm. And then I also think it, I think it has a CP70 in it. And Kate Bush sang on this too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I think it has a CP70, which is my favorite keyboard. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm. You tell me what you think. Speak as if it is. I don't know. It could be. Let's listen. We have to keep that one, two, four section in. It sounds like Pink Floyd to me. Does it? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. It's very I, Pink Floyd. Really? I, I don't get that on that one, but I, but oh, it is, but it is on the edge. Pink Floyd. Wait, have no. you guys done a Pink Floyd show yet? We haven't done a Floyd show. I We're, bet that would take you t- two weeks longer to prep for. <laughs> I don't it's know. So weird. Uh, no, I I know most of that. Like you back would, and forth. That yeah. sounds like Pink Floyd. I don't Floyd. know one album that I don't know by them. I'll tell you why I wouldn't have picked that in my top twenty-four. Because that's not the Peter Gabriel that I know. I think it's a very interesting melody. The verse melody is completely interesting to me. Yeah. But it just seems like a different artist to me. Oh, no, I, I get that to a certain degree. For me, it's he's the whole artist. I didn't go all the way back to the Genesis days where he was a completely other artist. But I think that this is his constant move to experiment. I agree. The electro experiment is what yeah. I put. I said electro experiment. Um yeah, I think it's good, though. I, I think it's quirky. You like the quirky ones. I like the quirky ones. <laughs> or either that or it's Kate Bush in any song that I pretty much like. Yeah, he likes duets with girls. Yes. I like that, too. So I'll just jump to number eight and stick on the Kate Bush theme uh, off of So. My number eight is Don't Give Up. Bass intro with keys is kind of soothing and it sells the mood. Gabriel's just vocals are so rich and just epic. And Kate Bush just kind of builds in with that and her she's, awesomeness. She's... Awesome. If you want to take a listen on the New Blood album, uh, Annie Brune, like the Which one I, I sent vocal, to you. Yeah, I loved it. It was so bone dry how she sang that. Yeah, she sings the Kate Bush part on that. but I don't think it's better, but I definitely think it's really, really good. Do you know who he wanted to sing this part with? His daughter? No. Who? Dolly Parton. Dolly's my girl. I know. Let's do one on Dolly. I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> I have all we of have her to eight do two tracks. on Dolly. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I just can't imagine like thinking about the Kate Bush part and having Dolly Parton singing. It would be she would totally... destroy it. Yeah, she's a great singer. Oh, she is absolutely. We but can I... talk about that for another next hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> but real quick, this song is is sort of an inspiring song because I think no matter who you are, no matter what you've gone through in life, there's been a time that you needed to hear this song. Yeah. in his vein the melody was so good she's perfect yeah excellent yeah some some people think this was about his uh he had a nervous breakdown in 85 
and they think that that's what it was for. And it was just someone to kind of reward all the people who supported him through that. Yeah. And uh, his wife has a different story. It was about somebody that wasn't involved with it, something he read in a paper. So um, I, I've said this to friends before. Yeah. It also has a gospel kind of thing to it as well. And I and a lot of this has that the double and, meaning. You don't know. And I, I like how, how this it. is unashamed. It's not. It's not something you have to try to see through and, and translate or whatever. It's like very clear. Don't give up. You know. I, I think it, the message is crystal clear in it. But it also has the verses or that mysterious thing. You know, kind of given the backstory of it. Absolutely. Okay, Steve. What do you have on eight? We're on number eight. I'm getting excited now. Uh, this next one is on the Us album. Okay. Come Talk to Me. Oh, nice. Okay, that's a good song. Again, same kind of theme as what you just went. Uh, just come talk to, to come talk to me. You know, like um, you're alienated, you know, whatever, and, and be comforted. Come talk to me. I think, again, the, the hopeful, the unashamedly being hopeful, I think I love it. He okay, made, from he, a lyrical point of he's view. He's cool. Yeah, this one, you remember what I told you, like, some of these hit me melodically. Some of, I love the hook, Come Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, a brother or a father or some a trusted friend. Hey, come talk to me. It, it's, let's, let's, it, and the lyrics are just fantastic. So I think this one might have been one that was lyrically driven for me. Okay. Let's listen to it. Come Talk to Me off of Us. That was come talk to me, Steve's eight. Uh, Steve, any other thoughts on it? Just that energy is coming from the drums. It's actually kind of droney. It's hypnotic to me. And I just love the lyric. I just think I love the lyric, the intimacy of that lyric. That's Yeah, it's great. He, uh, uh, Peter Gabriel wrote this about the difficulty he had in sort of communicating with his daughter. So it was kind of a, a message to his daughter kind of thing. Awesome. I'm, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm okay with that fact. I actually can relate to that. Two daughters. Yes. <laughs> and they have the African chanting around like four minutes in. Yeah, you know, I love really it. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was your number eight. What do you got? Number seven. Number seven. Big time. Okay. Did we Off match of... up? No. Take a drink? Nope. No? Dang. No, Big Time did not make my list. Which is on So, yes. which to me, Big Time is just a powerhouse, man. And then you think of some of the ones that came followed on Us, that I think they came from that kind of moment. It's just, and like the one you played earlier. What was the one? you Did you Steam. play Steam? Steam yeah. It's in that same realm. You know, right, it has yeah. that same power, you know, I think unique too. It's one of those songs, uh, the video in... You know, is in the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, I I hear that I see the video. So it's kind of always been that way. The groove's great. Uh, Stuart Copeland from the Police played played on this. Yeah, played drums on it. Yep. Yeah, I wrote that on one of my notes, not knowing that he played the drums. I don't know if it was on that song, but the thing I also the thing I like about this, besides them having the police drummer on this, is the ending of the song. Uh, Peter Gabriel's voice gets deeper and deeper as the song goes on. Yeah. And it gives that like sense until it's like it's the coldness or what, I, I don't know. It's just Peter always talked about the song being like a satirical story about the basic human urge being successful, right. you know, over everything else. 
So it's that sort of thing. It's like he's getting cold, he's getting alone. If you even the video, I kind of see that, and he's yeah. a flower at the end or whatever the heck that thing is. Hi there. <laughs> I think that for but, me the some of the weird vocal cords that are in there, mm-hmm. there's some weird things, and then like what you said, just the groove is. I just think it just sounds huge. Well, they add that lower end vocal as it's so coming on. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I, and then the falsetto. Um, he's just in full Peter Gabriel. He found it. He found the thing that makes him him, and the song just, I don't know. I think the song's pretty darn special. So let's hear, I'm sorry about that little banging of the microphone. Uh, let's hear a little big time. Almost has like the NXS kind of guitar sound too. Yeah, it does. It's you know, it's very much on that of, vibe. Yeah, I am totally with you. All right, so I think I'm up now, right? Go get him. All right, so I am gonna go with my number seven. I'm gonna stay on the same album, but a different song, but on that same vibe in that fast like R&B sound type of song. Great video, video that's memorable. I'm going with Sledgehammer. Wow, number yeah. seven. Huh? Number seven. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, once again, can't see this song without seeing the video in my head. Uh, yeah. Uh, love the flute in this song. Wait, mm-hmm. wait, what did I just say? <laughs> no, I love, I, I, I love the flute. Because uh, the flute, you know, the flute actually plays the hook in the song, yeah. right? For at least part of it. The Memphis horns are in here again, and the beat just grabs you, and the horns kind of pull you into the song. The bass is forward in this, and it's all in. And listen to this song. Well, a lot of times we get caught up. Listen to a song, watching it on our TV through our crappy TV speakers or listening to it on our iPhone. Take the time to listen to the song with a good set of headphones. Turn it up. There's so much goodness going on in the song. Dude, it's so warm. And this goes back to my point about the mastering. It hits all the buttons. Mm-hmm. It hits where it needs to hit. It has space where it needs to have space. I have a funny lyric thing. Yeah, you thought, thought the one French lyric was... You know, whatever. Yeah. This one I always thought it's a weird lyric. I'll show for you, you will show for. Is it, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, what? And then I read the lyrics. It's like show up. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. I kind of. <laughs> that was a show new one for, for me. You, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The interesting thing there was also some controversy over this song. Believe it or not, he got pushed back. Peter got pushed back because Phil Collins had just had success with a R&B type of song. He did Susudio and he had Easy Lover that he had just pushed out and they all had these horns in it. And then, boom, look, Peter has horns in it. So he had a little interesting kickback on that. Well, I always thought Phil Collins was the poppier version of Peter Gabriel. Or, to be fair, Peter Gabriel was the more freaky side than, than, than Phil Collins because they have a lot of similarities. Yeah, the vocal style, if they sang yeah, the same mel- song, it would sound kind of, Which makes you go back to the Gen- you know, Genesis, Genesis stuff. So, yeah. But I still think Peter's voice is better, even though I love Phil Collins. He's like my karaoke go-to. Let's hear some flute first, and then we'll move further. Yeah, get hit the flute. That's so cool. I want to make that my ringtone. Now let's hear some sledgehammer. I'll 
that's my number seven, Sledgehammer. That's really good, man. It's <laughs> a good tune. Good one. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we hear that later. So let's go to number six on mine, and this is off of the Melt album. This is a song that he ends almost every concert with. And this was a song that I initially had really lower on my list. I mean, higher, I don't know, towards like 12. As I listened to it, and this moved up. This was the one that shot up over my list. It's the biggest mover on my chart as I went through this and really dug into it, and it's Biko. It's, obviously, it's politically driven, about apartheid, about an activist who was killed in police custody, which kind of started the whole thing. The only minor thing is that they have that African chant in the beginning, right? The only thing, I, the drums come in, and it's not quite in time with that. If I could have any fault with the song, that would be it. Is this this one that's driven by the kick, right? It's just a kick drum. Yeah, I, like once it kicks in, is that what it is? I think so. I'd have to. I'd have to actually play the beginning part. I, this one on my reserve list, if I could just say that, like this was up there. Yeah. Um, and it ended the album too on that album, correct? Yep. Right. Yep. Ended the third album, and every concert he's done since yeah, it's been released. I, I think that's cool. Weird thing, they have bagpipes in this, and it's an African song, so it's kind of weird. I couldn't imagine that. You know, people are out there protesting <laughs> with bagpipes. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he has a great quote in there. Is it universal? The outside world is black and white with only one color dead. And the other line he had in there, he said, you, can't, you can blow out a candle, but you can't blow out a fire. And it's the whole rise of everything. And uh, the chorus is catchy, but mostly because it's one word, right? Pico, Pico, yeah. because Pico, and because he adds because in there, and that's about Pico. it, right? Verse is great. Peter got into like the Womad stuff, which is the world of music and dance. He started these festivals, and he's been really active in there, and he became politically active as he started talking to people who've had these bad things happen to them. Which that's what I love about him, like yeah. the humanitarian, the compassion side of what he does. Sure. And then also, you know, us in America, we think, well... Everything is about the pop, whatever the latest pop artist is. Yep. It's like the world is very big. And look at all these rhythms and sounds and colors. And he is shining a light on that stuff. So good for him. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. In the beginning and end of the song, that the chants are traditional South African funeral music, by the way. Wow. So that's kind of that. Uh, I'm not going to play that part, but I'll play a little of the, the Biko part. Yeah, that's my number six. I liked it. Pico. I, it was in the, it was in my right off the right off the list. Yeah, I have a general rule: if an artist closes every concert he ever does with a song, got to take a look at it. Again. You got to take a look yeah, at it. Yeah. It's probably got to be on the top twelve list because yeah. he puts it on the top one, two, or three yeah. individual artists. So. You know, what I think is interesting about it is um, the vocal tone that he used right there on the verse. Yep. There was some of it that doesn't sound like Peter Gabriel. He's still trying to find. In my opinion, uh-huh. where he is, and then the chorus opens up with that stacked vocal stuff yeah. we were talking about, and it kind of sits into that range again. In his later albums, he just found the stuff that really works for him of what makes him sound like a special artist. So, for some reason, during this journey, I gravitated toward that, right. toward what made him this unique singer songwriter, this sure. you know art rock guy. But the way I look at Biko, if you have Paul Simon come up. 
and ask you to cover your song and this is the song he asked you to cover <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a good song yeah but uh yeah he's he got so much political play with this this yeah. is his first foray into a truly political song so anyway and was that the, the album that was really kind of political it, it was on melt yeah it's on melt so cool i yeah it almost made it it's on my my peter gabriel three if you don't know it's like number 15 for me right okay <laughs> nah. so all right i can't say you have taste <laughs> where well i think you're just following the stream no yeah, actually no, no, i got it. it i do see the um because that album ended on that yeah. And I saw a progression in that too, like another piece to the puzzle, yep. sonically, like what his sound is. Yeah, and you like four a lot, and this, yeah. that kind of rolls into that. I totally does. Yeah, this is the last thing he did, really. And he likes those rototoms too. I think he does. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are we? What are we doing? What You're on we? number six. So my number six is don't give up. Okay. We were close on that. Okay. Yeah. It was, it, was in the same ballpark. It was my eight. So that's close enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have I, the buckets when you start getting that stuff together. Uh, so is there anything else you want to say about that? Or? I just, I think I said it all earlier. Um, I love the vocal. There's, I think there's two bridges. Um, she sings one, he sings one. And then sometimes I think her part's a little cheesy or his, I, there's some cheese moment about it, but I'm totally cool with it. I'm totally cool. I, I, um, accept it. Um, it, cause it's, I think it's just super emotional and lyrically it's, it's very surface, even though it's still extremely powerful but the combination of it being very surface and uh, melodically kind of um i don't know it just hit me weird but i still love it yeah no it's a it's a great song so let's hear a little bit of don't give up in a different section from where we heard it last time Okay, that's Don't Give Up. It almost has a gospel, gospel vibes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, as I said, it's an awesome song. You just had it a little bit too high on your list, that's all. Yeah, according to Rob. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's the basis for everything. All right. Are we, are we working to the top five now? Yeah, we're going five. You're going five. Am I up? You're up. All right. Um, my number five is Steam. Oh, good. You have taste. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. We're matching up. And things. I'll tell you my most memorable all right so in my daily living sure when i'm to have a normal conversation i will literally say i have steam you know like energy i'll Mm -hmm. have this this certain amount of steam like i still use it in my vocabulary but then i also remember the mtv awards in whenever 92 maybe or sometime around then and it was right around the time when like hip-hop and Pop and you remember Marky Mark? Yeah, he would like pull his pants down. He was all muscled out. It was the whole, just the pop scene, you right, know, right, of right. what you do to be pop. Yeah. And so his performance is he's dressed up and he's kind of animated and has this thing, and then he takes off his shirt, but it, he has a muscle suit on. Oh, so gosh. the whole performance, he has like the high heels on, and it, he has a muscle. Uh, fake yeah and it's so perfect it was it was just really really good Josh, that's crazy <laughs> and then when they said give me steam and then you have the stage this blows the steam up you know the girls are dancing marilyn monroe's dancing on stage and it blows her dress <laughs> up <laughs> there you go they, they said it had a lot of sexual overtones to it so. yeah 
which I can't imagine. Well, so. even in the lyric too, you could hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's talking. It's a man talking to a woman, probably, or whatever the preference might be. I guess nowadays. Stand back. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I cut it before stand back. But yeah, it's uh, it's such a good tune. And I like the guitar in it, too. Yeah. The, the whole song kind of has that. I love the, the horns. And for me, yeah. I'm not a horn guy generally. Yeah. But what Peter Gabriel does with the horn section, or what the Memphis horns do for Peter Gabriel, depending on how you want to look at it, makes it just killer. And you know what else it reminded me of? What? Robert Palmer. Does it? Yeah. Addicted to Love. Yeah, I guess. Um, and then so, uh, what was some of those other ones he well, had? All the, the, the weirdest, those were earlier, though. The weirdest part about this whole Steam song is that when you thought of Steam and you thought of sexual excitement, you thought of Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only thought of I only thought of what the performance was of of Peter Gabriel because no, I, I don't. it was the year. It only had to do with the year. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I actually don't know if I thought that, but I I just thought the performance was really funny because he's like making it. fun of it, kind of, you know. Well, you went on tour with those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I we were there in East LA when I when he he first did it, and I was like, "Why did you do that?" He's like, uh, "He's just you know, just a guy. Just he didn't care. It worked, you know." Oh gosh. Oh, that's funny. Okay, uh, my number five is a song that you had much too low on your list, I guess. I think he had 11. Off of security, Shock the Monkey is my number five. I love the hook. You listen to you know instantly what the song is. Every part of this song is catchy, and it pulls you along. And when it goes to Shock, Shock, and it does that chord strum at 157, mm-hmm. and it's just that, and I always love those single, big guitar chords that kind of make a, make a sound. And that was pretty progressive for him at that time, like... Like, you could put that on us. You know what I mean? Like, you put that on the record. It might sonically sound a little bit different, but it's in the same world, which sure. is cool. So let's hear a little shot. The monkey. So drum and bass driven. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. And the guitar just sticks out when it's hit. Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It has an uh, early decay on it. It doesn't yeah. hold out very long. Yeah. It has definitely dun, dun, like, yeah, it's done, yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's my five. My number four is off of Melt. I don't remember. The yell at the beginning of this song always reminds me of the Talking Heads. And uh, I know that Peter Gabriel was into the Talking Heads, so I wouldn't be shocked if that had some sort of influence on him. Uh, song's amazing and just pretty brilliant everywhere. I, the bass is so prevalent. I love his mixing choices in this, and you'll hear it as it comes through. And once again, instruments have their space, and it really kicks it. I always thought this was about like a political battle in Congress over like Iran Contra or something like that. I'm surprised it's just about a man with amnesia, <laughs> or, you know what I mean, or dementia or something. So I don't remember, I don't recall is my number four. I just want to play a little of that talking head scream and then we'll go into the main part. 
definitely want you to hear that. But let's, now let's just go to the main part and you'll get a better flavor for the song. Anyway. bass vibe <laughs> and he, he actually uh took the bass and mid-range and eq'd out of his vocal because he wanted to make it sound like he was on a phone the wait say that line, again he said he wanted to make his his voice have a tinnier sound yeah similar to like a phone line like he was right. doing or a megaphone or right. one of those things yeah so, that's cool yeah so we took he eq'd some of that out so. i like music in the 80s that was that the late Early 80s or late 70s? That was a begin at 1980. 80, Mel yeah. Came out, yeah. Um, I like the blend of the analog synths and the, the electro drums, all that. Run through tape machines. You think of like early Depeche Mode. And all. It sounds so good to where now you do digital drums, digital, and it's run through digital Pro Tool, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it sounds great. But it, there's some warmth to that, even though it's fake drums, but it's run through two-inch tape, so it has this warm tape saturation to it. it yeah, and I'm sure it's run through preamps, amazing. too. And, oh, all yeah, that. But yeah. just when it's actually being recorded onto the tape, it makes it sound warm and different. It has this life to it. It sure. sounds live still. And I think he did it very musical, all the electronic stuff. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, it's it's still really musical. It's not just, you know. It wasn't. He wasn't cheesing out. It wasn't like he couldn't have had a drummer do it. It was still. It was a choice. Yeah. Uh, what do you have for your number four? Number four, digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. Oh, that's a good song. You're probably, I, uh, it's probably one of your top three. Digging in the dirt is a really the good video song. I like as good as Sledgehammer. Video is incredible. Yeah, with all like the bugs crawling all over yeah, him. Yeah, I love it. It's stop motion again. He went. He still loves that stop motion thing. And the verses are funny. Shut your mouth, you know. But you know what I love about it? The chorus. Okay. You know, like you played the song off up, and it's really distorted and just kind of mangled. And then he gets to that chorus, and there's a certain release or this tension breaker or where it just kind of just kind of broods, you know, over. It's just very in control. And I like that about Digging in the And I think that's the heart of... As the writer, I feel like that's the heart of what he really wanted to say in that, you know, to, to dig into the to find out the place where I was hurt, you know. I love that. I just think it's awesome. Yeah, you like the, the introspective Peter Gabriel a lot. Yep. I like the sax in here, actually. This little sax comes in around the chorus, if you listen for it. Just the lyrics, I mean, this time you've gone too far. Yeah, love this it. In the yeah, false idol thing. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I love that part. And it's interesting, like if you do you want to hear the backstory of this? This is yeah, an interview from uh, from petergabriel.com. I don't know. Uh, this is a quote from him. It's very safe for people to put murderous stuff on others. It's one of the illusions of capital punishment, because he's anti capital punishment, I guess. You think that these monsters carry all the badness and you wipe them out so you can sleep easy at night, but actually we're made out of the same stuff that they're made out of. We're not so far away from behaving in the same ways. I think it's quite dangerous, uh, this projection of that trait. It's healthier to, to focus on the crappy stuff. And then he starts, you know, if we need to move on properly, you need to own that this could happen to you. And I think of that. It's all the stuff that I did when I was a kid. Yep. And then people actually got busted for it. I'm like, well, I just didn't get caught. You know, so. But then also I think the chorus to me 
which I can't argue with Peter Gabriel on this, but for me, it's like, it's, it's actually, it's kind of like Jesus words. Like yeah. which one of you has, uh, has no sin. You go ahead and throw, throw the first, first stone. stone. Yeah, yeah. And it's introspective going, Oh yeah, I should go back and look at my own heart. But the song actually came from, he went into a prison and visited death row inmates. That's yeah. what he did. It was and it was a separate project, but then trying to figure out what made them kill or why why they would do that. And I guess he was just involved in the project somehow, and the song came out of that. That's best part. I of like it. it. So it's it's a little dark. Anyway, it's a great song. Digging in the dirt off of us. That's digging in the dirt. I can listen to that all day. So that was your four, right? Number four for me. Number four. All right. What do you have as your number three? Oh, You're I breaking into the three. Into yep. the top three. Yep. I am a little nervous here. Dun, dun, dun. My number three is In Your Eyes. Oh, good song. And so I think it's the perfect pop song. Guess what? What? Ding, 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 ding. We get to drink. We have a take a drink. Everyone take a, a drink match. of your favorite drink. And find we'll out what our last uh, video was, and you have to drink that right now. Weird uh, holy grail right now for us, yeah. though. In your eyes, my number three as well. Uh, for me, it's a perfect pop song, but it's also, I think, I mean, it's a great song in and of itself. But sure. you attach a movie to it and an iconic scene with a visual with it. And John it takes, Cusack it takes it over the top. Over it takes yeah, it over yeah. the top. So, you and then it burns in everyone's mind that that's associated with the movie, and it's like a well, it's it, a win-win it, for both. It didn't really hit to that big degree in '86 when it came out. It was once the movie came out in '89, then it just like yeah. it shot through the roof. It, it, people even then want to see music, and and that movie was you know. The funny thing, hit. the funny thing is, we talked about like copyright and all this other stuff before. Um, the produce, producers of Say Anything were charged two hundred thousand dollars to use uh, in your eyes in the movie. It's nothing, right? But at the time, this is eighty nine. Yeah. And if you think about how much money Peter Gabriel made off of them putting it in that movie, yeah. So he should have probably paid them, yeah, to put it in the movie. I mean, obviously that's not the way it works, but. Uh, yeah, it's... and it, but I think it's a leverage on both sides because I think movies like that are taking a chance. You know, it's not a brand or whatever. It's yeah. a successful director, but then you you take a chance with that. But you're trying to you're trying to associate your product with something that's cool. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they're going to pay for the name of Peter Gabriel and just trust that this is going to be perfect. You know, I definitely think it could be a win win and. And it probably was. And it was probably easier to say to for groups to go, I'm not selling out to that, too. You know, that used to be not cool. You know, now yeah. it's just normal. <laughs> but if you think of Say Anything, it's what do you think of when you think of Say Anything? Anybody you ask, is there a scene you remember from Say Anything? That's it. 99% of the people will say him holding yeah. that blue box up you know, waiting. Now, funny story. Yeah. Um, I went into Hollywood Bowl to see Peter Gabriel a couple years ago. He played So from Back to Front. Sure, sure, yeah. And he played this song, and John Cusack came out with the radio. Oh, did he? Oh, that's awesome. Sta- on the stage, oh, holding it up, and the crowd just went crazy. That's <laughs> just, awesome. That, and and, that's and awesome John that Cusack was so nervous. He was so, like, timid. It was funny. Oh, my. That's awesome. Yeah, that was – I think I have it on video somewhere. Oh, uh, dude, you got to send that really, to me. And we can really share it with cool. everybody. 
crowd just went crazy, man. Oh, that's great. That that's a cool thing. It, it's cool when you get the walk-ons in a concert that are really impactful like that. It was yeah. I, I wonder. I don't think that was normal. I don't think. Oh, I'm sure. I'm before. sure the only place they you did know? that was at the Hollywood yeah, Bowl. Yeah, it, yeah. It was just. It was really cool. Really cool. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, there's two drummers on here. They had the one doing the African beats and one doing the the straight drums. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, and Peter in the song, if you notice, he doubles his falsetto, but not the rest of his vocals because it's not as strong or whatever. So he'll double his falsetto whenever he goes to it and everything else is straight. One, hmm. one vocal in. Listen to the bass guitar in the first verse of In Your Eyes. He does this sliding thing and it has to be an overdub. It has to be something. I can't imagine somebody could do this. Listen to it. it, it he does like a slide in the middle of a of a standard fretting mm -hmm. and it's just it's really cool it just jumped out at me i was like oh my gosh can you do that here hold my beer and give me oh, your and, bass guitar yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh and if you're really a musician and this is not <laughs> our show is for everybody who likes music and listen we're not going to go into so technical a detail uh about you know uh, music theory and stuff like that but if you really want to break down on in your eyes from a music theory point of view Rick Beato has a has a what makes this song great about that, and I'll put the link to his podcast, uh, his YouTube video, in there, and it's fantastic. If you're a musician, he walks through the whole song, he walks through every part. It's just fantastic. So, uh, just want to let you know that. Cool. So, let's hear in your eyes the actual number three, and it's kind of curious if we don't match on two and one, and when we put this all together and put it in the computer. Doo -doo 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 -doo, that I wonder if it's going to be three or if it's going to be higher because both of us have this in our top three, but I don't know if we have anything else in our top three together. There's so, a possibility for one, but not two. Right. Okay. So let's go to, I imagine there's the one of them we will also have in there. So, but in your eyes, let's hear it. <laughs> Hold on. What I do with my boom box? <laughs> <laughs> Just close your eyes and remember. Extra measures into the chorus, yeah. Letting it breathe and that that swelling, like this internal build anticipation. Really oh, cool. the song structure is amazing. And did you ever hear uh, what was his name, Jeffrey Gaines? You ever hear that guy? Mm -hmm. Look him up on either YouTube or actually you can probably find him on Spotify even or Apple Music. He does a version of this all acoustic. It's, I think it's uh, Christian really artist Nicole Nordman did too. Did she? That's uh, cool. When you said Gaines, I was thinking of. Um, of Garth Brooks, Chris Gaines. Oh, Chris Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wait, what? Well, Chris Gaines, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie never came out, did it? <laughs> All right, I'm going to do my number three. No, wait. It's, oh, well, we I'll, already I'll... did. And number two. That means you get number one. That means we had to take it and, and, and I have a feeling that uh, it depends on where you put these things. Because my number two is one song that you have way up there. It was Red Rain. That's my number two. I think it's a great song. Honestly... Some of mine could be interchangeable, and I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, it was uh, inspired by a recurring dream where Peter, Peter Gabriel was swimming in a sea of red water. Allegedly, there was two walls of water between it, and there were these glass-like figures, and this is all this weird stuff that he talks about. 
that that would screw themselves into the wall and fill up with red blood, and then it would be lowered across. It's like some weird dream he had that had Wait, blood with the water. This on us? Uh, yeah, this is on, this is on so. So okay, this is on so. You know, so he he used to have these extremely vivid dreams that just scared the heck out of him, and this was one of them. It makes it reminds me when you describe that. It reminded me of us album cover, the red with him yeah. walking on either side. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it, when you were saying, it, I was like. Wait a minute. What album was this on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it may have come from that. I don't know. Afterward, uh, the vocal line marrying with the keys on this, I love a lot. Yeah, the bass is great. The the drum build and through the intro and the and the chorus is just when you have that repeatable chorus mm-hmm. that people lock into. We kind of talked about it before. So let's just go and run into some red rain here. <laughs> Okay, that's my number yeah, two. Yeah, that's great. And you know what? I I noticed that later, when a Peter Gabriel I think was in his big biggest moments, he had a lot of guitar stuff in his early stuff. Mm-hmm. His voice sounds better when there's not a like a rock kind of guitar in there, because his voice is gravelly, gravelly, mm-hmm. and kind of has that edge to it. That when the guitar's there, it kind of eats away some of that edge. It depends on what type of guitar it is. Like yeah, I, like the like clean think, ones work, yeah. or if it's a part of the rhythm, like the horns yeah. or something. But like the early on, some of the guitar stuff, I missed what I loved about Peter Gabriel. It was covering up that tone, something about him that kind of created that edge. And hearing that, it's very rhythmic. That bass line was killer. It was yeah, yeah, loud in the mix, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. great. Yeah, you always had it up front. So, Steve... You got the number one. I have the number one. All right, can right, I... Right, and did you do number two yet? You haven't done number two no, yet. No, I haven't done Do two. number two and one. Do, do two. Two. All right, number two for me is Sledgehammer. Oh, okay, good. And again, that goes Which back to... Which means we're going to match again. I'd imagine. No, I, we're not. Oh, we're not. I, I don't like the song that you probably picked Oh, okay, 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 okay. I right. just don't like it. Okay. I don't think it sounds like Peter Gabriel. Okay. And I'm guessing. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably um, right. But Sledgehammer, again, I think the reason it's so high on my list is because when this video came out, where I was in my life, mm-hmm. how happy I was in my life. My brother and I were like best buds. We'd call MTV. Hey, just want to request MTV. Uh, <laughs> gave him a sledgehammer. We thought we were so cool. Yeah. You know, we'd sit and watch for it. We you know, had the radio with the cassette tape queuing ready for the local pop station to play it. And they did. We were pumped up. I don't know. It, and it has to do with a hammer, you know? <laughs> I even wrote a song called... Um, to my brother it was called uh, Let Me Remember and one of the lyrics it's all about flashing back into bands that we played in mm-hmm. to the songs we played in with the bands but one of the lyric references was we could share the sledgehammer again which means we can share the good times we had when that song was popular you know what the song's about right I don't even give a shit <laughs> it's about sex it's, I'm fine with that That's yeah yeah it's like it's the phallic symbols like sledgehammer train bumper cars big different if you start listening to it with that point of view but even someone like Peter Gabriel is so art rock driven it's like yeah. he can make a song that I love innuendos like that nowadays yeah I, we would know exactly and it takes the coolness away from it sure sure for me it, it was a feeling that it, that it made me feel when I heard it yeah. and it was gutsy and the video was legit it was just Oh, the video's great. Yeah. It's it's still, it was one of, I think it was like the second best video of all time on MTV. Second or third, I don't remember. But it's it's up there. So let's hear Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. 
Yeah, he's not asking for somebody to show for him. Show for him. I like that though. I like that lyric. I'm still gonna. If you show way. for me, I'll show for yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's I'll be awesome. your sledgehammer, and then they have that big cry yeah, and that you, you, I mean, you know that big vocal killer high. background vocals you know, too. Great. Yeah, it's awesome. No, it's a great song. Jeez. So it was. Yeah, I understand why you put it at two. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so before I do number one, number can one. I just give a shout out to um, the Scratch My Back album? Uh-huh. And I know it's not Peter Gabriel's songs that he wrote, but that album in 2011 is when I discovered it. Oh, yeah. I think that album is one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. I um, Book of Love is amazing. Which one? Book of Love. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Mirrorball. Well, Mirrorball, see, with Mirrorball, I, yes. <laughs> I, I don't like it. And this is the only reason why. I like the original elbow version yeah, I do too. because the drums and the the movement of it was really what brings that song yeah. along but when you take that out and you, and you just put some uh you I know i, yeah. I, I kind of lost it and i didn't have that same vibe i kind of felt myself almost being dragged down with the song as opposed to being lifted by the song I so think for me it was about his vocal his vocal was so freaking oh, good oh, on, the that, on that particular yeah, yeah, one yeah. but that whole album to me Book of Love actually stands out to me too as well. It's it's funny because, it, but anyway, I just want to give a shout out for people that want to search out more stuff. That that album is incredible, and you're going to discover cool artists in the meantime. That album I've listened to it probably as many times as I've listened to any Peter Gabriel albums. Okay, um, I think it's it's just beautiful. It's awesome. So I want to give a shout out. Okay. Um, okay. What's your number one? All right, my number one. Here we go. Oh, it's, I I know what it's going to be. My number one is... It has to do with water. Personal, and it's not fair to the rest. It's not fair to what your number one's going to be. Uh-huh. And it's also not fair because this is my favorite song. This might be my favorite song of all time of any artist. Okay. So it's it's like a thing with me. Like, I... No matter what anyone says, I actually don't care. And you like washing stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> washing of the water is my number one, and that um, was on us. And I don't know how to explain it. It just crawled inside of me and never left. Okay, so uh, yeah, I I like this the vocal line. Like when I hear the vocal line, the vocals are amazing. Even, too draggy for you? No, I, I think the falsetto isn't just as solid when it gets really high as he normally is. And I heard Randy Newman in it. Just for that, I couldn't stop it. Yeah. I didn't. It just happened. I love the quick transition that he has in it from like strong chest to head voice. I, yeah. Even though I just criticized some of his head voice, but it's just it's great the movement of it with the minimal piano. It's just good. Earlier when I said that songs would get me a different way, whether it's more from a melodic sense and hearing it and just connecting with the melody or possibly connecting with the lyric. This one yeah. connected both of them together inside sure. of me. And so it's extra powerful. I don't know which I love, which one I love more and they're perfectly married. I think this pic- I can see the river that he's singing to. I can feel the spiritual nature of the song sure. and I can take it to maybe where he doesn't, where he didn't even take it's open-ended, right. but it also seems extremely kind of like the in the uh, the blood of eden like how it has that same sense of ethereal and, and almost heaven-like and f- complete peace yeah well this is my number one okay let's listen to washing of the water 
There we are, washing in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the verse. Listen to the rub in his vocal right here. There's I think the water. I think I love it because it's very English. Yeah. It's a very English melody. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's pretty. It's make. It's just. Pr- it's a beautiful melody. Uh, Peter I mean. said that it, the groove reminded him of a bit of holiday in cabaret music. Really, but it, but he it, it, it said he initially felt quite dated, but he went with it anyway, and he really likes the song. And I think he he's played that song in like big moments of his career. I, when, I think he actually did it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was one of the songs he really? sang. Really? Yeah. Well, when I watched So Front to Back, he basically played the album, you know, or Back to Front, I should say. And he probably played that in Beko. And he probably walked away with Beko, yeah. right? Which yeah. is your number one. No, Beko's not my number one. <laughs> Beko was... Beagle oh, was yeah, in, that was ever... Oh, uh, I know uh, what your number one is. <laughs> my number one... I know. Is, yes, why? Is the story of Peter Gabriel leaving Genesis... And taking the risk to change everything and walk out on his own. Salisbury Hill. Track two. <laughs> no, Salisbury Hill is my number one. Track two, though, right? Regardless, it this is this song is about him breaking from away from Genesis. This song is about his anticipation or his worry and fear and excitement about being a solo solo artist and walking away from all his success and everything just to deal with his life, deal with what he wants to do and walk out on his own. This is his first album out. And he's like, you know, I'm on my Salisbury Hill. For me, it's one of the most popular Peter Gabriel songs, but but it's also one of the most important Peter Gabriel songs to understand who he is as an artist. I was becoming part of the scenery, so I walked out of the machinery, and he's talking about Genesis. So I always like when people step out on their own and do it. And each verse, if you listen to the song, each verse, there's more instruments added all the way through. doesn't stop. Every verse comes in. Anyway. <laughs> I love how you connected the story. For me, I listened to it as a song yeah. without the history. And I was like, well, I, I just like, this doesn't sound like Peter Gabriel to me. Right. You know? No, I, but I, I you're a it. part of the story. It makes sense. I, I get it. And a lot of people really like this song. That's a great song. Yeah. So, so regardless of what Steve says, here's the number one <laughs> we'll song. We'll give it to you. It, won't, it probably won't be the number one on our list because he doesn't have it on his list at all. He doesn't have a number 12. So anyway, let's listen to Salisbury Hill. Anyway, that's my number one, Salisbury Hill. It reminds me of Paul Simon. Does it? And it also reminds me of MASH. MASH? <laughs> and that horn fart or whatever that. Don't, 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 Oh, don't. gosh. <laughs> That's awful. Send the hate mail to Steve Petriot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that, I can't blame you for that one. That's a good one. Yeah, That's a good one. So, anyway, now let's walk down our top 12. I'm going to walk from 12 to 1. I'm going to run down mine. And then, Steve, you can run down yours, so get ready. Uh, my n- song of note was the Barry Williams Show off of Up, but my main 12 was Intruder off of uh, Peter Gabriel 3 or the Melt album. My number 11 was Steam off of Us. Number 10 was Darkness off of Up. Number 9 was Games Without Frontiers off of Melt. Number 8 was Don't Give Up off of So. 7 was Sledgehammer off of So. 6 was Biko off of Melt. 
Uh, Shock the Monkey was my number five off of Peter Gabriel 4 or Security. I Don't Remember was off of Melt, my number four. My number three was off of So, In Your Eyes. Number two was Red Rain off of So as well. And number one was Salisbury Hill off of the car album, Peter Gabriel's first one. And that's it. So what do you got? My number 12, Shock the Monkey on the fourth record there. Mercy Street on So was number 11. Number 10, Red Rain off of the So album. Uh, In the Blood of Eden, number 9, the duet with Sinead on the Us album. Come Talk to Me, uh, Us album was number 8, Big Time. Number 7 on So album, Don't Give Up. Number 6, So album. Uh, Steam is number 5 on Us. Digging in the Dirt uh, was number 4, Us album, In Your Eyes. So, album number two, Sledgehammer, and my number one song was on Us, Washing of the Water. We're going to hit the computer and come back with the list. So, let's just go uh, do the Wayne's World thing. And we're back. So, here's the uh, Dirty Dozen official rankings for Peter Gabriel. Number 12 is Big Time. Number 11 is Biko. Number 10 is Digging in the Dirt. Number 9 is I Don't Remember. Number 8 is Shock the Monkey. Number 7 is Steam. Number 6 is Salisbury Hill. Number 5 is Washing of the Water. Number 4 is Don't Give Up. Number 3 is Red Rain. Number 2 is Sledgehammer. And number 1 is In Your Eyes. I'm down for that. That's the I'm official. Cool that. That's the official list. So um, once again, it's in your eyes. Sledgehammer, Red Rain, Don't Give Up, Washing of the Water, Salisbury Hill, Steam, Shock the Monkey, I Don't Remember, Digging in the Dirt, Biko, and Big Time. So there you have it. Hey, we made it through, Steve. Thanks for letting me come and be a part of it. I <laughs> okay. really enjoyed it. The research part, everything. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a good time, and uh, it's good to see that you have that Marky Mark crush that we everybody found out. <laughs> That's the one thing that you're going to remember. Oh, gosh. It was a fun time, but thank you for coming out and stepping in. And uh, it's clear from anybody listening to this podcast that you truly have that love for Peter Gabriel. And that's Absolutely. And that's really what's important about yep. this and when we start talking about it. Anyway, once again, let's just talk about the beer real quick. What do you think when you finish it? Um, I'm on my second one, and I, I have one more drink left. I would drink it again. Yeah. I'm an IPA guy, but this... I actually thought it was quite refreshing and it's not, it doesn't make you, it's not all bloaty. For yeah. Me, it's not a know, big heavy beer and the calories don't actually kill you on this one. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's good. So if you ever want to try something a little bit different and you're a big Monty Python fan, try the Monty Python's Holy Grail Ale, uh, which go. is once again, Amber Gold Ale Tempered over Burning Witches. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Real quick. So, you know, in two weeks, Jake will be back and we're going to be doing another grunge band. Pearl Jam, oh, starting wow. in two weeks. That's got to be so, a tough one. <laughs> it will be a tough one. So thanks so much. And uh, Jake and I are going to try and get together and try and get another video out. Otherwise, I will see you in two weeks. God bless. Take care. <laughs>